Is there a fanfare? Is there like a? No. I, did, did you? Did, this was like one. I think this was the first year I didn't really listen to the Giant Bombs, um, uh, game of the year, which is always one of my favorite game of the years, if if not just the best, because I just love that like, but the the deliberation behind everything and like all the yeah. everyone's opinions of it. Usually, there's one opinion that I don't like, but um, I usually like Giant Bomb a lot. But it's so weird this year because. It's it's not at all. It's it's a ship of Theseus, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's still there's still people who've been on Giant Bomb for a long time. Yes, yeah, sort Dan, of. Dan Riker but... is on it. Uh, Jan Ochoa has been on Giant Bomb. Dan Ochoa used to do like um, camera and capturing, but now he's the host. Yeah, so. but with the, I mean, with with. Uh, Jeff Gersman being gone, it is a complete. Now it's like nothing is the same. No, I, I, it, it is a complete ship. Of, it, it is a completely different like ship of Theseus where there is no original cast, nothing that made Giant Bomb special. And that's not to say that like there aren't good uh, voices and writers and people there, of course. Um, but it is just like a really weird. It's not Giant Bomb at all to me. You, you, you need a little bit. Like I, I think that that ship of Theseus question is. Like you, you, you need a little bit. There's sometimes there's like a little heart that that still makes it the same thing. And even when when Ryan died, and when uh, there was the recent like uh, maybe like a year or two ago when when Brad Shoemaker left um, and Vinny left, um, and everything was kind of like uprooting. Um, there was still Jeff Gersman for a while, right? And that and that was like the kind of last thing that made it giant bomb in name where whoever you put around jeff gersman it was still giant bomb to me was like just that original group and with jeff gersman being the last one it was like whoever you put around jeff gersman it's still giant bomb and then now that he's gone it's not giant bomb it's just a different collection of people but the answer is yes i do listen to it and i still did and it was good well i, I like a lot of the new cast and uh yeah, it was fun. Like I said, I mean, I'm not saying that nothing, no hate on but the They didn't on the new, do, the new they, they dropped the structure of going through every game. Oh, for true? Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I take it back. I don't like them. That's the whole point of this. You should like it because now it's ours again. Oh, well, this was originally, so, so welcome to WTDG for the week of 12, December the 30th, be with you. The last WTDG of the year. I'm sure this won't get up in this year, probably. Um, so, so I'm speaking to you from the past in t- in the year 2023. What's it like in 2024? Is there a disease yet? Um, and we are doing our own uh, game of the year as we as we do. And the one and and even though we steal things like we t- talk about the listeners or the viewers, um, this is ours. We we started uh, January, February, March. This this was your idea originally, and I, and first when I heard this, I thought this was like such a weird, crazy idea. But I've really grown to love it, and it, and other people loved it too because they they unknowingly stole it from us. So, um, but we're gonna go through the entire year, um, date by date, and mention games that came out this year and their release date, and the games are our picks for games that we have something to say about. So there's games that we're going to be missing on this um, that, that we aren't... We don't give a... You think I give a rat's ass about Spider-Man yeah, 2? Yeah, Spider-Man 2 is not on this list. They think I give and, a rat's ass. Um, 
What else? Uh, Unfortunately, uh, Final Fantasy 16 is not, not on, on this the list, list either. No PS5 exclusives. No PS5 exclusives because we don't have that because who would have that? I don't even understand. Um, and uh, the other thing that's always weird uh, up front is that you video games are weird and there's so many early access, then 1.0 releases. So usually, like... I think we might have it, it's not we we might have things that overlap with games that we said released last year because we played them in in um, early access and then 1.0'd this year and I guess are worth mentioning. I mean, I, I guess you know for retroactively for all time, you know the 1.0 the the official release date is the one that matters. But um, of course, some of these games we were playing in 2022. Um, and uh, we tried to yeah. do our best. And then also the other thing going through this list is not only are dates weird for that reason, because sometimes you have 1.0s or games that are releasing in early access, but you also have releases of games that are coming out on new platforms. So like I, one thing I think on this list is I have Gunfire Reborn uh, coming out for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. And I guess it's just worth, I, I kind of just thought like maybe I would mention that because it's it's something that could add to the uh, later on when we talk about like good um, uh, uh, support for games and stuff like that. So if it, so some of the games that might be mentioned might we might have already played and already talked about, but they and there there's at least there there is also a couple of notable DLCs expansions for games uh, that we have on this list just because we feel like. It warrants discussion. It's a big enough uh, chunk of new game to talk about. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Are we getting sure. into it? Fully, fully immersed. Putting on the helmet. Um, January twenty fifth. So, so uh, the other thing is, I feel like the, whenever I look at these lists, I feel like there's things that I'm forgetting. That I feel like there's things. That, yeah, you see like two games in January, and you're like, "What the hell?" Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, or or there's like completely months that almost didn't have anything. But um, but yeah, I guess as far as uh, we're going, and and then I, I guess the other thing I would add is that I get I I I guess I hope that games that we're leaving off this list, if we did play them, it's because they are slightly forgettable i, I Listen, think people I think are gonna be like the... i can't believe your january list doesn't include four spoken yes yeah sure um january 25th our first release of this of this list is hi-fi rush surprise surprise um it came out of nowhere what a game it was did you, on did game you... pass what is that it was on game pass hmm yeah we're gonna figure out what that uh, what that is. We'll get back to that in 2024. But uh, did you play? You you played a little bit of High Fire Rush, but I don't think that you stuck with it in a meaningful way, right? I didn't. That's right. Oh, do you have a late edition right Go here? on, keep keep going, keep going. Um, so High Fire Rush. Uh, you know what? I I gotta. This is gonna be impossible if I do this the whole time. But I like I like to say like the uh, like Tango Gameworks was the developer for this. This is a completely out-of-nowhere game. Um, they're, they're a higher, horror game dev, primarily, they, right? Yeah. What did, what did they... They came out with something... Uh, the Evil Within, Ghostwire Tokyo, The Evil Within 2. Um, so, so Tango Gameworks dropped uh, Hi-Fi Rush really out of nowhere. I want to say it really did just come out just launch and it and it, and it is and not only was it on game pass but it also released at like thirty dollars so multiple kind of like really different things it, it it and it really got love um 
which is weird because it, it it came out of nowhere with no marketing push from a dev that doesn't that is not only re- not a super popular dev and also not the genre that they're known for um and it's phenomenal it's incredible it's it's going to be on my game of the year list um hi-fi rush spoilers is a um uh action character like action game kind of similar to uh you know devil may cry or old god of war um god of war is a game that's also not on this list um but it is uh notably it's kind of unique gimmick is that it is time-based uh all the 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 whole entire world of hi-fi rush works at a a rhythm to a song that's playing in the background so everything the 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 you know garbage cans are like gyrating at a certain time in the beat in like you know snare hits um like the the pipes like smoke is coming out at different things so the fights and platforming and everything happens in sync to music um, which is a really crazy thing. Like I, like I think that it's something that that just speaks to like almost this core of human experience. Everyone loves those like almost like I I, I hate to just not have a better ex- example of this than you know anime music videos or something. But like um, uh, action sequences to the sound of uh, a beat or like that are everyone on beat. loves stomp. Everyone loves stomp. Sure, why not? You know, um, and. Uh, this whole game works like that. So not just the the platforming and stuff like that, but the timing of all your attacks has to be to the beat. You have to wait. You, you can't just, you know, mash. You have to wait for the time because you'll drop combos, you won't do anything, and when you're doing things offbeat, like, the character just, like, fails to do anything, and I, and I think just goes into, like, a stun mechanic almost. So it really... It's, it's a game that forces you to learn the mechanics and stay on beat and because of that i i think that it it does something that a lot of other uh games fail to do which is teach you their mechanics and this that sounds like i think an insane thing but i think when you look back at a lot of maybe action games or character action or maybe even souls games you kind of you you find things that work for you and you you keep doing them kind of and uh there's sometimes where there's certain game mechanics that you just you know you're not interacting with but this is a game that kind of makes use of all its game mechanics and really forces you to learn it and it feels so good there's nothing quite it, it's certainly a game that has no equal to like when you're when you're in a fight and everything's working out and you're attacking to the beat and dodging to the beat and everything is working out it is incredible feeling not to mention gorgeous super preppy um colorful style um the the soundtrack has to be good in this in this game and yeah in the beginning it just starts out being okay and it's kind of, and i thought i i think i remember saying in like maybe the first time i talked about it that like a cardinal sin was that it's a game or based around music where the music is just okay but i think that the 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 songs choices get better and better as the game goes on and the game gets better as it goes on and it's always kind of releasing new mechanics it's it's phenomenal it hi-fi rush if you haven't played it you should you should play it now and and uh, and you know what i also want to say that another reason why i really like doing the list the way we do it is because we can look back on games and then say you know in hindsight, 
was the game better than than I thought? Did it stick with me? Or maybe at the time I liked the game, but now that I'm looking back at it, like there, there's problems with it. And Hi-Fi Rush, I think, is just as I, w- I would I feel just as good and glowing about it as uh, uh, now as I did when uh, when I finished it. Um, and like I, I I finished this game, and this is one of those very incredibly rare you games. Don't finish games. First of all, first of all, I could finish that that sentence with a period right there because I don't really like necessarily finish games because I don't I, I don't feel like I should be obligated to, um, especially if developers aren't making it interesting enough for me to want to do that. Um, so not only did I finish this game, but I jumped in right away with um, a new game plus because there was so much to do and there's so many additional things. And a lot of like things to unlock, and I just kept playing it a little bit more in New Game Plus. So, phenomenal game. Um, nice. And then immediately after that, and th- this was j- this is January. We had like a contender right out the gate, and immediately after that, we had Pizza Tower. I liked Pizza Tower. So, Pizza Tower uh, is a game that people were waiting for for a long time. It was a game that I think originally launched on Kickstarter from a new developer. I don't know what their pedigree was. The the developers tore to pizza. So there you go. You, you know that they're made to build this game. So this game is uh, Super Wario Land from the Game Boy meets uh, Cruelty Squad with a with a coat of pizza paint. So it's a bizarre looking Tomato game, sauce. which kind of has this uh, MS Paint quality to it, where it is like this whack ass. Uh, cartoon MS Paint Man. I, what is this guy's name? Is Peppino? Yeah. So you run around. You run around as Peppino Spaghetti. Uh, who a, is a beautiful, elegant name? Peppino it, it, Spaghetti Italian is truly the love language. Yeah. So he has a failing pizza chain that he believes is is um failing, failing because, because of, of the giant pizza yeah. tower, which is which. It's funny to me that he, he, he sort of in the Guilty Gear Strive fashion, he blames the beasts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He does not look within. He blames the beasts. And the pizza, I mean, there is definitely some like evil demonic pizza that is like whispering to him from the, from the, I, I don't know what you, this, just this awful place. The pizza tower is truly a, a terror among buildings. The pizza tower is equivalent to the, um, the Federal Bureau of Control building, the uh, the oldest house. Mm-hmm. That that's very similar to what Pizza Tower is, but it's it's a pretty interesting like uh, setup for a platformer. It's an extraction game actually, uh, where you have to uh, puzzle your way into the end of the level, and at the end of every level there is a pillar. It's a column for the tower, and you break the column. And then it starts a timer, and you have to escape the level during that timer. But things have changed and moved around. So it's not like, oh, I've completely memorized the layout of this level because like things change. So it's interesting because the game kind of has two paces. It has like this intro pace to it. This war- where- war- Wario land, you know, you're walking around platforming at your leisure, and then it's yeah, a time attack. I- yeah, and then it goes like super, super Meat Boy on you or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so first, at the, on the first half, you're like trying to find secrets, and you might see something like, oh, there's this, there's this like um, block that I can't break through right now. 
uh, and I can see that there's like a secret on the other side of the block. And you know that like that block disappears once the column is destroyed. So you know like, all right, on my way out, I'm going to have to try to remember to hit this. So I, I think that's pretty neat. It, it also, despite the fact that everything is pizza themed, they do find a way to make uh, every level have sort of like an original gimmick to it where there will be levels where like you're in a night you're in like night armor and like the night armor slides around or there will you'll be in like a now how exactly is that pizza related uh because there's still pizza everywhere you're still like picking up uh the aesthetic is always pizza or or like i guess like it's all served on pizza crust but you've got like your hawaiian pizza your uh haunted pizza your night pizza Yep, uh, yep. Uh, you're you're right. Hawaiian pizza, one of my favorites. Haunted pizza, that one I got. But you know, a lot of you really have to go to the specialty places for some of those because haunted pizza is is um like in Williamsburg you can get that right, but not always sure. around like Long Island, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a it's a pretty cool game i mean if you i I feel like if you like platformers if you like 2d platformers you probably already know about this game and if you don't well it's on steam it's twenty dollars so check it out pizza tower so january 26th the same day that pizza tower came out you say that hitman hitman world of assassination plus plus freelancer came out and these are in the same universe am i correct uh of P- as Pizza Tower, same same universe, right? As Pizza Tower, yeah, yeah, yeah. This takes place in your your Capino the, trained with Agent. What's his name? Forty seven. Forty seven. Agent forty seven. Damn, I know that. My brain. So Hitman World so of Assassination is the consolidation of all of the Hitman content that's come out since twenty sixteen. So originally, Hitman twenty sixteen was an episodic game where they released, I think, like five or six levels uh, over the course of the year. Uh, People with bad taste criticized that release uh, schedule. So for Hitman 2, which came out a few years later, and Hitman 3, uh, they were just complete games. uh, Where it was just like, all right, so here's all the levels at once, once, you fuckers. Here's everything. So... All of that content got consolidated into Hitman World of Assassination, which is such an incredible value. Wow. You you really do get so much in this package. But in addition to it, you get the Hitman Freelancer mode, which I don't know if you know much about this, but this is a roguelite Hitman mode where you start in your safe house and as you do missions, these and they're all like procedurally generated missions uh, that get more and more difficult. And as you do them, you're acquiring tools, which you could bring on further missions. Uh, but if you fail one, uh, then you start from the bottom again. But I, I think one of the things that's interesting about this is that the freelancer mode specifically does make you consider your approach to this game. It does make you say like, all right, I'm not going to like, I can't save scum. Like save scumming is off the table. Mm -hmm. So all, and all of the things that I've been doing for a while 
are going to lead up for this moment that I'm going in for this kill. Th this kill that could be challenging because the parameters are procedurally generated. And it's, it's borrowing from all of the different maps that the game has released over years. With different entrances and exits, different enemy layout patterns, uh, different methods by which you have to kill people. So it could be like, you need to uh, kill this person, they're going to be located here. You have to kill them by drowning while you're wearing a chef's outfit. So it it really is this like puzzle that like can put a lot of like pressure on you to get it right because of the fact that if you get it wrong then you you know you're you're slated to lose a lot which is really different from the way that hitman used to be of just like well i fucked it up it's time to just pull out all my guns and go crazy it's cool when they uh you know are able to take uh, a game and then make a new mode or or a change that kind of makes you rethink it or actually almost makes the game more true to its original self you know yeah, so Hitman World of Assassination really is an incredible value. I think that Freelancer is one of the best ways to play Hitman. Um, I, I think that it's really fun, like, kind of, like, iterating on your safe house and, like, building up, like, a, a like an arsenal of stuff. Like, oh, I was able to do this special objective in this level, and now I have a silenced sniper rifle, which means that now I have I can use the silenced sniper rifle to do this mission, which seemed really hard, but now I have the tools for it. And stuff like that is really cool. Do you think that Agent uh, 47 worries about... Because World of Assassination is kind of a dark name to me. It it, it, it's, it, it somewhat implies that, that Agent 47 is... Uh, the world is his oyster, and he's just going to start assassinating. And he's not even going to need those contracts. He doesn't there even care. There I go killing is. again. I don't. Yep. Here I go killing again. My favorite thing. But, um, do you think, dude? Do you think John Wick was inspired by Hitman Universe? Oh, John Wick is so good. February ten, Hogwarts Legacy, and wait, uh, you don't want to talk about Forspoken? No, because I didn't put it on this right. list. Um, right. February ten, Hogwarts Legacy, and uh, so you played this game. I didn't. I I feel like yeah. I could possibly like this game a little bit. Um, but weirdly enough, the only thing that I really remember about it, and it is such a black stain on this game, is that I just remember weird alt right streamers being annoyed about there being like a pronoun part of like it, 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 the character it's really, creation. It's really funny, right? Because when this game came out, everyone was like, "We got a." The left is like, you gotta boycott this game because J.K. Rowling is not trans rights. Yeah. And it's like, that's very true and very fair. But then you have the right who are like, there's pronouns in this game. Boycott this. So it's who's two trans it? rights. Yeah. So who's everyone. So, so somehow Hog that, that that is kind of what I remember about Hogwarts Legacy, which, which was like, it's a it was it, this weird like the for whatever the whatever the game itself is i i remember all the discourse around the time and i remember specifically on this podcast when we talked about it that mo that even you had to kind of say well okay i know the problems you know I, I, but but hogwarts legacy itself is pretty cool i'm tr i'm not trying to get into the other so i i just feel like this was one of the weirdest games on this list because it, it to me it just cannot it does not exist in a bubble I, I i could imagine liking this game more but but my my brain immediately goes to you know the both the the slow degradation of the 
Harry Potter franchise with the shitty movies and everything that's come out bad since the books, and including J.K. Rowling, um, and uh, also that weird like alt right fanfare about this, the performance performance art that they did around being so upset that there is a single menu option that that seems to be so disturbing, so truly profoundly upsetting to them. I mean, it's just like they're snowflakes, right? Like you, they can't. Can't can't deal with it, but so so was this a video game or at the end of the day or or Hogwarts Legacy? Yeah, was it even so, a video game? So it was a video game ass video game, and I think you know what that means. Yeah, I always know uh, what that means. So there are good good at things and bad things about this. The the good thing, the number one good thing I would say about this is just like the world. Like going around Hogwarts, like all the moving walls, ghosts running around and popping through walls and shooting their big cum shots everywhere. You know, that <laughs> yeah, part sure. is cool. Sure, just big, yep. You ever have a ghost not, just not, pop not through a to, wall? Not trying to ruin the podcast for anyone. Not trying to make it anyone's worst podcast they've ever listened to. But has but Moaning Myrtle ever... ever just pop through the bathroom wall, the wall. And, and squirt it all over the place. Said big fat. Yep. Okay. So the world is cool. You know, you go to Hogsmeade, you fly around in your broom, you you go to some some caves, you see some uh some big mystical creatures. It's this- a fun world. The mad the magic feels pretty fun. Yep. Uh if a bit limited. Um the problem with this game is that it feels like a Ubisoft open world game where this game feels like what if Assassin's Creed but Hogwarts. Oh, right? that's not great. So so the mission structure uh, can be really bad. The game starts very slow. And like despite the fact that it starts slow, um, it also is willing to put 100 icons on your map. Uh, with side quests of of dubious quality. Oh yeah, uh, the the uh, the quantity game developer. I mean, you, you know, whenever you say Assassin's Creed, but I, the, I, I've already tuned out because that is like kind of what Ubisoft is like, almost in my mind, famous for at this point, which is like a quantity thing. Is open world where you know there's a character that's like can you please find my rat i lost my rat and then you you go and hunt down the rat and then the character's like oh thank you he, he's a totally cover frog and that's it and there, there was nothing like i i i am so in, entirely done with video game design that is quests side quests for side quests sake if you can't tell like if, if you can't it, it, it side quests in themselves are fine Right, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but but just like having things tedious side quests to do to be able to like unlock all the content or get all the upgrades or something that don't add anything. Like the the, the side quest, the reward should be the like maybe story or how what you learn about the the world, and then the the um, icing on the cake should be like and you got a, a chocolate frog. Or something. So I, I just I, I don't like that kind of design. I, I, I do not like that kind of just like there's a million things on the map. You can do everything, but none of it's really that good because they never honed in on any of it. And they had to make it so that like the entire campus has people compl- complaining about their lost cats and owls and rats. 
Yeah, but it is. It, it's a really good looking game. Uh, it, it is. It's, it's very smooth and it, it is like aesthetically pretty enjoyable. Like the combat does present like a fair challenge and some of the uh, like side quests that are like, here's the fighting side quest. And those those could be kind of challenging. Uh, all in all, I think it's it's a fine game. And yeah, I can imagine a lot of people actually <clears throat> legitimately liking this game a lot. I do know people I, that actually re- legitimately like this game a lot. And and it, it is it is real admirable what they, I guess, tried to do for a lot of the fans, which is like, you know, cre- do I mean, the best Nate, job. I mean, Nate played four and a half hours of it, which means he got his $60 worth. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I do have a friend of my friends list who played 135 hours. And I do have someone who doesn't actually play a lot of video games. But they did play 48 hours of Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah. So um, some people, some people, some people love really this like it. Stuff. Uh, yeah, and and it, and it is really cool that there's people nothing. People love this stuff, Kirby. Yeah. People love this. People people hate people hate I, me for doing. What it's I do. all right. Um, you know what's another all right game? Returnal that came out February 15th. Ugh. Um, this was this was a. Uh, a it, it, this was I think the PS5 game that most made me want to get PS5, and I think that it it it, it is quite telling how I feel about this game because uh, I feel like uh, this would this would have been the copium game for you have a PS5 and what now what does that give you what is what can you play on PS5 that you can't get anywhere else for someone who has a you know good computer. Um, and, uh, the answer is, answer is this, it's, uh, Returnal, um, and it's, uh, and it's okay. Um, I, 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 I was recently at, in class, I heard someone mention, uh, uh, that, that, like, they were, they were talking about PS5, and the, someone else was like, like, oh, what do you, uh, what are good games, because I'm gonna get my, my boyfriend a PS5 for Christmas, and they said Returnal, and then they asked me if I knew anything about it, and they said it was, it was like Hades, and mm. I guess it is like Hades. <laughs> I mean, if for you, people if you, who haven't played a lot of yeah, if you haven't played a lot of games, then, sure, then sure. It's, it's like Hades. But Returnal is a roguelike ass, roguelite ass, roguelite game where you. It's not. It, it's, it's not though. <laughs> it, it, it like well, I mean, it's roguelike element. I mean, why why is it because you finish it and it's and it do be done. Well, also because there's really not a lot of variety. There isn't a like, there isn't a very the, good the there isn't very good variety. I'm well, okay. So so Returnal, um, you're going to be moving through different worlds, getting upgrades. You die. You start at the beginning when you die. Um, you're learning more about this kind of like interesting story, and I think the story does is pretty creative and interesting, um, and and fle- kind of comes out in in interesting ways. But but gameplay wise, it's it's good. The the, uh, the movement and everything is kind of nice. Like it's very hyper. You're very hyper mobile, and I think one of the things that I would also say that I kind of like about it, and maybe one of its um, unique traits, is that it is a um, like shooting kind of game, but the um, the 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 the, the enemies kind of it's almost bullet helly where the enemies shoot kind of orbs in in patterns at you in a lot of cases and that that you are like rapidly dodging around the way that you would in like a classic um like a toho or something you know like it's almost like it's kind of aping that a little bit where the the screen is being filled with different colored orbs and you're teleporting around dashing around trying to 
avoid the the different orbs while still shooting at the enemy. So it kind of almost has that toe. Yeah, and it's a, and it's a good looking game. It is a good looking game. It's it's got some real it it, it when it's uh firing on all cylinders, it's running silky smooth. Uh tons of colors. Uh really nice with HDR with with some true blacks. Um, uh in uh, it, it, because I am obligated to say that a thing bad thing happened to me, um, whenever I play a video game, um, and I had this and and Ryan Galloway, thank you Ryan Galloway and Bumper for these two music we use intro and outro. You can get it off the new album Pop Songs Twenty Twenty. Um, was watching me when I was playing this and I had a fatal error that lost like so much time of, of my it, like just destroyed a run and I think it was like my one of my first runs. And it like didn't remember that, so I had to replay the intro and everything. It was not great. There were some issues. The, there were some issues with the port. Yeah, is what I'm the, trying to the, say. Also, some people are like, "This is the best game I've ever played." This, this is um, it's such a hard roguelite, and when you get the when you finally figure it out, you feel like a god, and it's like, I, I still don't get that. Like, I I beat this game. I, I beat this game. I think on my second try and and that's fine. I'm not saying that the game needs to be like difficult to be to be a good game or to be a good roguelite. Um but I I guess my issue with it was that like I I played it a couple of times after I beat the game and the runs feel largely the same. Mm-hmm. The, the you, There's not that all... many weapons, there's not that many permutations. It, this game almost fails the Kirby test, and if you know what I mean, it's like that you get a an upgrade that says uh, whenever you, you you do poison on your gunshots, and then you get another upgrade that says when you do poison when your poison ticks, it spreads to other people, and you get another upgrade that's when you fire when you max out your poison stacks, it explodes in a poison thing, and then everything is kind of like coming together to at the point where you start firing on all cylinders and everything is going good and you have like you want this perfect you, yeah. you have this perfect run where all the crazy options have prevent presented themselves and then you want to restart again because you want to say that was awesome i i kind of lived the poison dream now i'm going to do the fire run where you put on where you give everyone a fire debuff a burn um and this game kind of doesn't do that like i feel like I, I, if I remember correctly, a lot of the permutations are kind of just like they're good, but they have no real synergy with the the yeah. rest of your abilities. Kind of like you're not going to be finding upgrades that are like that that change the way you play, but they're just like a good thing to have that make the rest of the game a little bit easier. Yeah, they give you per- there. There's a lot of percentage increases, and I think that those are the the death. Like th- that's the worst shit in in roguelites. Yeah, or you're finding something that's like your your deal. You have ten percent more health. Or just, I mean, ten more health in games in general. I think it's just like it's not a it's not very fun to get like those those very incremental upgrades. And and yeah, roguelite games that that um call themselves roguelite and then have that kind of be the upgrades that that it's like oh yeah, I mean well it's really crazy because i had a run that worked out perfectly for me where i had like you know 210 percent more health like yeah sure i mean it's kind of cool that at the end of that run you had you were like a bullet sponge like that's kind of cool but 
but it wasn't like yeah, everything so... you're getting is like this unique thing that is like changing the way that you play or look at the the rest of the game. I think the the best the best lights do that where where you get an upgrade and it sometimes changes the value of every other thing in the rest of the game for for, for that run. Like you get you get this crazy. Uh, we'll talk about Astral Ascent later this year, um, but but uh, you when you get like an upgrade in Astral Ascent, it might completely change the value in your mind to every other thing. I think that the best uh, uh, roguelites do that. I agree. So and, and some people have like a hundred hours in this game, and I don't know how that's possible. I, I just don't know. I actually I, remember I that, 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 uh, that I'm wrong, and the real conversation was that someone said. Uh, that God of War had new DLC Valhalla, and they said it, it's it's like the game Returnal. So I think oh. that's even weirder because it was the person's. Um, touchstone, I bet that's better than Returnal. That the person's touchstone for rogue the the roguelite genre was Returnal. But anyway, um, that's totally you, fair. Yeah, sure. Did you play uh, uh, Atomic Heart that came out on February twenty first? I remember you telling me I'm taking off. From I work. was curious about it. I think you said you were taking off from work. You were very excited about it. And then I just feel like I never heard anything about it. I must have found something else to play that day. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so you, we don't have much to say about this? Because I thought I that you did. I have nothing to say about okay, this. I, th- I thought I you mean, did play it. Nope. Let's jump on to something it. that we do have something to say about in March. March 2nd was Patch Quest, which is a roguelite, right? And it is a good one. And it's uh, better than Returnal. Sure. Um, and it's there's a, a a myriad of creative elements to this game. What's the deal with yeah. Patch Quest? Let me let me just pull up my Patch Quest notes here. All right, Patch Quest notes are up. So it's this kind of neat game where you are. You're going through this procedurally generated dungeon that always kind of has the same sort of layout, but you have the ability to um, do monster taming in it. It is a so, it is a roguelite, is it not? It is a roguelite, and it is a roguelite that is sort of a monster tamer, where you're going in and you are lassoing monsters, so you have to like hit a monster with your rope and then spin around it, and then you can capture the monster and then it's on your team but the game is sort of an active top-down shooter and every monster that you get has four different abilities one of which is an ultimate and as you work with the same monster over and over you get a proficiency with it and that proficiency carries across runs so that's pretty neat and also, as you're going through the dungeons and, and upgrading your proficiencies, the other thing you have is a skill tree that is permanent. And that is upgrading not just like your ability to work with certain monsters, but it's uh, upgrading your lassoing ability. It's giving you movement bonuses. It's um, uh, You also have like a gun and... It shoots like yeah. seeds and or fruit or something. So all the fruits yeah. give you different things. And I, I don't really remember some of the and examples could, of it. And in the skill tree, you could. So one of them is like a shotgun. Yeah. And one of them might be like uh, explosive. And I think it's like one a pineapple of the things or something the, is like a you, you like you throw them and they explode or something. I don't even remember. Like cherries, and if you want to talk about like, like cool skill trees and stuff like that, one of the things that you can get 
is the ability to uh, make a shake out of two fruits. Uh, so you can blend two of the fruits together, like the shotgun and the explosive fruits, and you can make explosive shotgun ability uh, for your gun. Which is is pretty neat because that's just like one half of of the of your combat prowess because you have the abilities of the monster that you're working with, uh, and then you have the abilities of the of the gun, and there's all of this other stuff that you're getting. There's uh, passive uh, abilities that you're getting through the game. There's like over two hundred of these different passives that you're like pulling out. Uh, around and and these passives are doing the type of things that you like in a game poison where they're yeah yeah there's poison and stuff that like synergizes with poison there's like oh you know reduce your dash cooldown and then you get another one and it's like every time you dash uh shoot out a burst of bullets and stuff like that and you could spec into certain things with the um with the with what you're with what you're picking up with passives, so ultimately this is a game that on 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 those ends is kind of doing everything right. I I think that it's like a pretty well playing game. I do think uh, that it gets a little busy on the screen, and that sometimes uh, deaths in this game sometimes feel a little unfair. Like it does feel sometimes like uh, there wasn't a lot the, you could the, do. The game gets bullet helly very fast. Like the difficulty of this game ramps up. This is this is a hard game. Yeah, <laughs> this I, is a I difficult. Think I, game. I think I kind of remember what you're talking about, where it's bullet hell, but it's not um, because it's like also randomly generated, and because like the monsters can move around. You don't. You get into situations where. Like it's it like like some bullet hells like the like the games I mentioned before like Toho or something are designed in such a way that it's always the same pattern and the developers know that you can beat those patterns. They, the developers know that there's correct ways of doing things. Um, and in this game, because it's kind of hard, but it's also bullet helly, and that there's like random monster spawns and the monsters can move around, you get situations where it's like, well, that was kind of feels unfair. Um, because of no fault of my own like you know monsters moved in such a way and then shot out these things where i, I couldn't really dodge it because like by dodging yeah. it, i had to go to somebody and, else and then there's like a lot of terrain of the, yeah there's terrain issues and and the monsters that you get do have defensive abilities like they'll have like uh the ability to dig underground and and avoid all damage or parry or so like and reflect everything. So like if you're in like a really bad situation and you have like a reflect ability that could just hit everything back, then that could really uh, turn the situation around for you. Um, but I do think that this is like a, a pretty solid game. I think that it it also really is flying under the radar. It's like not very well known. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have like a lot of reviews. But I, I think that it's really good for. Um, for what it is for people who like uh uh, god of war valhalla and shit like that right if you like god of war valhalla maybe try out patch quest one and the same um and and, uh, speaking of one and the same uh march 9th was the 1.0 of bone razor minions and i don't want to say a ton about it i think we i think i gave this my um uh, you did might have been my my uh uh roguelite 
game of the year last year. Your bullet heaven. My of the uh, year. Uh, bullet heaven. So this was this was a this is a roguelite bullet heaven. Um, this is uh, of the, which is getting uh, very um, keywordy, but I mean that's that's video games, right? We do a video game podcast, and we're always doing keywords. But but uh, it, this is a. Uh, uh, unique take on both of those genres where it is, well, I guess all bullet heavens kind of are roguelite, right? But anyway, um, yeah. you, you, the, the, you are not the, um, uh, bullet heaven. Your, your creatures are, you're a necromancer. And, uh, some of the more unique elements of this game are, is that you are not going to different levels or anything. It takes place in a cemetery and you're allowed to build up the cemetery in the way that you want. Um, so you can choose to have like, you know, explosive tombstones in one area. And then maybe if you get into a dangerous situation, you know, you know, to the top right, I have explosive tombstones. I'm going to trigger that and then attack. But, um, as you're, uh, leveling up or whatever in this game by killing the minions and getting the drops on the ground, um, you aren't, it's not like a vampire survivor where it's coming from you. You are choosing minions to follow you. Um, and the minions all feel pretty cool and have some cool upgrades, and you're just kind of a necromancer. You're for for the most part, you're schmooving around, you're sliding um, back and forth uh, around the the uh, arena, trying to avoid being hit while your minions clean everything up. So for people who like that kind of like, I've always liked that kind of um, uh, style where you're like a necromancer and you have. Um, your minions doing your bidding for you and like you're kind of but you, you don't really have any control over them you just have control of yourself and you're trying to avoid uh, being hit this game has a ton of unlockables a ridiculous amount of unlockables lots of um, uh, starting characters to unlock that have their own like little mini talent tree kind of things that aren't really talent trees so I think you can unlock everything um, and uh, tons of stuff and I want to say that uh, the 1.0 also came out with tons of extra stuff uh, I would say that I, I, I haven't been back to this game in a little bit. Uh, maybe you can answer that for me. But I think one of the biggest problems about this game is there's nothing in this game that really, like, synergizes. Um, there are just good minions. So the game can almost get a little samey because, like, the things that make the game kind of more... The runs unique by um, uh, run to run is kind of like maybe the choices you're getting on like how, which uh, uh, minions do you want to get. But also you kind of just start to figure out like, oh, you know, the skewer is really, seems like really strong. Whenever the game ends and I had a skewer, they do a lot of damage um, because they show you kind of like a damage chart at the end. Um, There's there's, character classes though too. There there is character classes, like I said, but but like at at the very most. And there's the passive abilities too, right? That you're picking up throughout the run. Yeah, I know, but but I'm also saying that like at the end of that, like for the most part, you might have like there's I like there's there's one character where they synergize with like giant minions. So so you try and get giant minions. There's one character where I want to say that they like uh, synergize with having more minions on the screen or something. So and you get extra slots to to uh, get more minions. So there's some slight differences between the characters, but. But run to run, it's not doing exactly like what, what we're talking about in our in our favorite roguelites, where there's a lot of unique ways that are changing the entire game. Like it's kind of more like, like oh, I had a good run because the options that I wanted were presented to me. Um, but not that like something crazy happened. Like you know, you hit you you got multiple rare choices in um you know slay the spire or something and the run went out of control and you had like the god build or something like not necessarily like that um i think that they also released like a a campaign uh on their 1.0 yeah um just it, it was a 1.0 we're talking spicy, about right? 
Um, and uh, let's talk about uh, uh, March 21st. You really you just grazing over that, huh? The, the, they put it in the campaign mode. I guess you didn't check it out, though, right? No. All right, me neither. And we we only have, and we're in March. I mean, I always these are hard because we spend ten minutes talking about pronouns. So you're saying we how, gotta we gotta keep going. All I right. mean, there's there's some games that no 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 uh, no no. It's fine. It's fine. You wanna you wanna be fast boy. You wanna be speedy. No, I'm not guy? saying you're gonna be a speedy Gonzalez. I'm just saying that you're there's there's guy. some there's some games that maybe deserve a little bit more talking over about it, and there's some that like are Bone Razor Minions 1.0 that we could just be like, it was a good game. We played it a lot last year, and I gave this my roguelite game of the year. So if you if you're looking for roguelites, this is a good one. Deceive Inc. Deceive Inc. What a great idea! That was such a big fumble because they let the game die because it wasn't free to play. So Deceive Inc. is a multiplayer only spy versus spy game uh, where you are. Uh, I don't know if you ever played like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, but it is the style of Everyone is blending NPC, in right? and pretending to be NPCs. So you're trying to act like an NPC while you're also trying to break into a vault. So there are different NPCs of different security levels. Like there's like uh, tier one is like the regular normies. Then tier two is staff members of the facility. So there'll be like you're at a mall and these are like clerks and things like that. Uh, tier three would be like security and tier four would be like uh, uh, technicians and scientists. And then every map also has one tier five VIP who has access to everything. But if you're pretending to be the one VIP on the map, chances are people are going to try to knock you out. But the idea is that there are all these different playable characters. Uh, they have different abilities and different gadgets available to them uh they they you know one of them might have like a shield one of them would have the, like a crossbow and the ability to like charm people uh so they all have different weaponry that's all upgradable uh different abilities that are adjustable and upgradable as you acquire character level so you kind of choose a character and you specialize in them for a while and you get all these unlockables it's they're really good ideas here. Um, it's not stuff that we that's all necessarily new, but it is good. The aesthetics, it's got like this very retro futuristic look to it, where it's like this sort of like future funk seventies sort of style to it. Almost Jetsonsy, um, right? Yeah, yeah almost Jetsonsy with real with the music in it is very good. It's jazzy. It's slick. The the animations are good, but the issue is. It's an all multiplayer game, and it needed to be free. Yeah, you cannot do that. You cannot have. You cannot have a. If you're not like Call of Duty, you cannot have a brand new game come out named Deceive Inc. That has like doesn't have like a crazy marketing push or something, or have you know industry backing, um, and then have it be a only multiplayer game that you pay for like I, I just feel like there's like so many wrong things in that sentence they need to re i feel like at some point they're going to re-release the game yeah the, they've got to re-release it this they've is got like, to evolve stage to it this is like the uh how'd that work out for evolve this is <laughs> this is uh the the like uh uh but the industry thing though and i noticed this happening with like i was going to say this later this this year for 
uh, like fighting games. This is kind of like the the new fighting game route. When when you don't think, I I, I feel like if I were a fighting game uh, a CEO looking at a fighting game, like maybe I'm a CEO that works for like Nexon or whatever, and I'm maybe you and, are, and I have DNF, and I'm saying like, what should we do with this this IP? Um, I think that you do like this almost Grand Blue Rising thing that we'll talk about where I noticed so many games uh, that Uniclear is doing this, Grand Blue did this, uh, DNF will do this in the future, I'm sure, where you have like a 2.0 of the game, uh, make it like free to play or so. DNF already did this. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, you, you don't remember when they, they like rebalanced everything? They got to do it more. Yeah, well, I mean, they got to do it more. Um, and then, and then importantly, you have like better groundwork, you have more characters now. And it hopefully like by the time you bring people back, like what we're going to talk about when we talk about Grand Blue Rising is that, that like maybe if, um, Deceive Inc. comes out with new, uh, characters and new maps and then, uh, which they've been doing quietly, like a yeah. little bit, but then 2.0s it and then says like, Hey, the game is free to play now. And the game is way better because there's more things, but it's free to play element. So like, if you're coming to the game now, you won't have every character, but you will have every map. Um, then maybe that game would get more eyes on it and maybe it would do better. Um, cause you need, you, you, that's the only way to, to do this at, at, at this point. So sad. So Great sad, idea. So, so sad. Fumbled, fumbled, fumbled. Um, oh, fumble. Um, have a nice death. Can we talk about that in March? What is this? This no is a roguelite game. It has a really cool, uh, you are, it is a, bureaucratic take on death it's kind of weird and dark um and <laughs> it's a little it's, twisted it's, it's a little twisted it gets into some dark topics and it does so with like um irreverence um but it is a cool style it's like this black and white style it's a a side-scrolling 2d roguelite platformer saying a lot of words um it is a roguelite ass roguelite where you are like picking the next room you're going to go to and that that room because you picked you know this type of thing um you picked the uh uh like tax um uh room the tax the death and taxes room um you're going to get this type of upgrade um and it kind of also it, like the it, it it's it's the gameplay of it is so good like the actual like movement and the way that the the unique weapons feel great um, and there's a lot of good things to like, but I think that it also struggles with this thing that we I was just talking about before, the, the return up issue where most of the upgrades you're getting are just kind of like, you can get like a spell and a weapon and some wow. passive kind of things, but none of them, like, I don't remember them really having um, synergy where you'd say like, I want to jump into the next one because all these things are kind of all these cool, unique things are are happening, and I really want to try, like, a different run with a different starting weapon and go for different passives or whatever. It's kind of like a lot of the upgrades you're getting are um, universally, you know, good or something. You know you know what I mean? Where we're, like, yeah. maybe, maybe you're getting, like, your your spell option. And, and then because when you have stuff like that, here's, like, another issue with that whole game design, and that if, if you have a thing where you're getting to, like, choose your spell... And then you get the choice of uh, you find out that your play style you really like uh, pyroblast um, spell. Ooh, and, and, I do. And you and then then like be, because there's no synergy or anything, and there's no reason to 
not just keep going for like a lot of the things that are just working out you just get this situation where every single time you're doing another run you're you're like okay well um i have the option for pyroblast all the times whenever i pick pyroblast it seems like one of the most powerful options at least the way that i use it so i'm just gonna pick that and it doesn't have there's not a re- like there's it's not like it would be higher value or lower value based on what i'm finding you know what i mean it's just like here's just a good option Right on. Give me another game. Uh, Dead Cells: Return to Castlevania. March, Ooh. March, the March, the the Ooh. month of of um, uh, nonstop roguelites. And I, I actually played uh, Return to Castlevania. Wow, you did. That's surprising because I, I I feel like you kind of picked up Dead Cells. Was like this is exactly the kind of thing I like, and then you uh, stopped playing it. But uh, Dead Cells: Return to Castlevania also a great pick for the Steam Deck, right? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was having a good time with it, but also, like, in the Dead Cells, whenever I come back to it, they're, they're, I go through these three phases. Phase one is, I'm not good at the game, but I have a bunch of things unlocked, and because of it, it's like I feel like I'm not playing it well. And then phase two is, is uh, I'm jiving again, I'm, move, I'm, I'm learning how to schmove around in Dead Cells, because there's definitely, like... It has this great momentum to Dead Cells, it's got where, a flow. where yeah. like once you're once you're 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 back and you're 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 really into it again, um, you just start moving around and you're jumping around and you're you're killing everything on on the, the screen and you're getting you, you, the things you want and you're like, whoa, this is a crazy upgrade. I got this weapon and this build is popping off. And then then phase three of this is like, you start off a run and like you're not getting a weapon that you like. And you're not getting a thing you like, and nothing is happening that much. And you're like, because in phase two, when you're really schmoovin', you maybe don't m- notice that you're not getting stuff that you care that much about because you're like, oh, I'm loving the gameplay again, and I'm getting used to it, and I'm getting new things. Um, and then in phase three, you're like, um, uh, it's not enough that I'm just loving the gameplay because I've been liking the gameplay, uh, but now like this last run, this run is, like, not fun. Like, I don't want a run that starts off with this weapon. I don't like this melee weapon. Um, I want to get a better choice. And, like, you know, you're, I like, dying. I feel like you get stuff pretty quickly in that game, though. Sometimes you do, and sometimes like you, you don't. But, okay. So, so and then, uh, so for Dead Cells, uh, Return to Castlevania, more crazy support from Dead Cells. And they have the... Um, an alternate like first starting zone where you can go to straight to like the castle right from castlevania yeah you still always have to go through the prison you still always go you go from the prison but instead of going to like the second area you go to the the castlevania area and it's kind of like a section of like a couple of very big levels uh followed by um some different boss fights uh culminating in like a secret boss fight later on uh, as well as like, I think twenty different outfits that are like Easter eggs that they don't do anything, but you know you can dress like different uh, Castlevania characters and a ton of new weapons, like fourteen new weapons or something like that. Uh, that you know they they exist outside of just the, the the Castlevania DLC, so you could play the rest of the game if you if you come across the Castlevania weapons. Mm-hmm. And they're all like Castlevania themed, so it's like stuff like whatever, like the candle or like the Molotov yeah, and if or whatever. You, and if you and like the music from from Castlevania, also this has uh, fifty one songs from Castlevania, including some uh, Dead Cells songs that are sort of like remixed in that style, I think, as well. 
So it it seems like a it's it's pretty substantial as a as a DLC, which is why we've included it here on the list of releases. If you don't like dead cells, this isn't gonna like turn you. This isn't gonna like make you love dead cells because ultimately it is still more of the same. Yeah, go back to your God of War Valhalla. But but it does you know dead cells they they've really I I think proven themselves with this game and during the game awards they showed the trailer for their next new game which is called Windblown, uh, where they had a bunch of these uh, cute-looking creatures who were doing uh, some some martial arts and some combat, and they're just getting sliced apart. It's, it was a very wet trailer of uh, good guys getting cut in half. Yeah, wet is what you're looking for with trailers, right? Yeah. Speaking of wet, Resident Evil 4 came out March 24th. Um, you put this on the list. I said, uh, this. W- w- okay, Resident Evil 4 remake, right? Yes. Um, so apparently, so one of has the most, a lot of differences. One of the most beloved games. Didn't of you all love Resident time. Evil Four? Aren't I, you I like a Resident did. Evil Forehead? I have a heart. As, so as, what as kept you away from this? Why didn't I get it? Because I don't need to. Because there's no game that's been remade more than Resident Evil Four. I don't need to play Resident Evil Four again. I've beaten I, it. A I ton feel of like times. it's been remastered a bunch, but this is the first time that it's been remade sure, with like new cares? sequences and. And things like that. New mechanics, the knife parry. Sure. Uh, I played this game and I was, I thought to myself, this is good. I played about two hours of it, but I said, this is good. I don't think I want to fit this into my rotation right now. So I played two hours of it and I was within the Steam return window and I returned it. Yeah. And I'm better for it. I bet I would have really enjoyed it. Good on them for doing it. But I also feel like I'm more interested in the uh, first-person uh, Resident Evil games. I, I was really impressed with uh, 7 and 8. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wanna, was, uh, was, seven, uh, was 8 my almost game of the year or something? It might have been. What I, an incredible game yeah, that, incredible. that 8 was. And, and also so fun on the second playthrough of 8 where you are uh, unlocking like the ridiculous the weapons and stuff like that. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so uh, speaking of monsters, Dredge. Okay, so I want to remember this March thirtieth. This was a uh, a fishing game that had a little uh, Cthulhu, a little Lovecraftian, Eldritch. Yeah, and we kind of talked about this too because I remember at the time um, it it was it was kind of trying to have its cake and eat it too a little bit, where it wanted to be like, oh, it's a fishing game and nothing else, but then like you know, even the Steam kind of like like it was both trying to be like maybe there's a little something else going on here at the same time that it was like, you know, like the steam, um, uh, uh, you know, summary was like trying to say that it's fishing and stuff like that. But like the trailers are showing the like hints of Lovecraft and stuff a like dark that. Dark undercurrent. All the reviews are, you know, are like talking about, you know, like, Oh, that's Lovecraftian and everything. So, um, but you, I think you, I remember you liking this. I finished this game. Uh, I what is don't the loop? know. What is the gameplay? I, loop? I didn't, uh, the gameplay loop is uh, you go out and you fish and then you try to get back before dark uh, with your fish uh, to sell the fish so that you can upgrade your boat so that you could catch bigger fish. However, there is an overarching story where you are going around these different like air, the, the game has like Airbnb. five areas 
and you are there's sort of like five worlds not really but there's like five sets of islands and you start out on the easiest one and you sort of like are doing quests and each area sort of has like a, a threat like there are, one area has like this really giant fish and one area will have like these evil piranhas and and they all have different uh ways that you have to deal with them or avoid them uh, in order to do some type of puzzle to get an item uh, that eventually will lead you to like the conclusion of the story of which there are kind of like two endings but it's kind of like uh, the endings are A or B with like a small sequence afterwards and it it felt like so inconsequential that it's like why even have two separate endings if you're not going to really do much with them uh, the gameplay was fine. I, I would probably, I didn't love this game, especially as like someone who really enjoys kind of like fishing You've and always, picking up and deliver. Classically, you are you are the fishing person. I do. Pocket. I love, I love a fishing game. You love a fishing game. Uh, I don't game. love a fishing game. I love a game that has fishing in it. Yes. I love fishing in a game that is typically not about fishing, and a lot of this game isn't really about fishing. But I mean, it's fine. You pick up stuff, you deliver it. That has a satisfying feeling to it. It's kind of cool that uh, different types of fish require uh, different types of rods, different boat setups, depending on what you're trying to get. And I thought all of that was like pretty cool. Um, but it's also a game where once you've seen its trick, once you've seen like what it's going for, uh, and, and you've sort of like been to the different islands, you see like their gimmick. And and some of them are really cool gimmicks, uh, but once you've seen it, it's kind of like eh. So I thought it was all right. Uh, you know, maybe like a six out of ten, I would give it six point five, something like that. Uh, it's fine. Some people love this game. I'm not some one of them. Some people love it, James. Talk uh, to me about April. Unless so you need April six. We'll, we'll get is, through April. Yeah, let's know? try we'll and make it through April. Um, four twenty. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Yep, hell yeah, joke. Um, April 6th w- uh, was the 1.0 of Raven's Watch, and I've played a- this a little bit in the previous year and talked about it a little bit, and I kind of came back to it recently uh, and played a little bit more of it. And I was really kind of liking it, but I have- I've been having a hard time fitting it in with other things. And also, I think it would be best... It- it- it's clearly uh, best enjoyed by multiple people. It, it is sort of in that gunfire reborn style where it is a roguelite for friends um so so that that's kind of made one of the main reasons why i maybe haven't played more of it is like i would maybe need like you or john or someone to uh play this with it is a uh interesting it's still, and, still in early access right really no i think at 1.0 in in no. april 6th and that's why nope. i'm mentioning it nah it's early access still really why yeah. is it on the it is on the uh the release window for april maybe um this is when it when it, this is when it, it uh came out oh so it must have been, it must have um uh came out in early access on april 6th okay so it didn't it in didn't 1.0 and i didn't play it last year okay so yeah now now i'm all caught up i did it to myself so uh this is a <laughs> roguelite game have you heard of this um, but it has some different interesting and unique takes. First of all, you pick a champion, like a hero, at the beginning of a run. Um, and the hero 
almost is a like MOBA character where you have like a passive and then like a QWER, right? And the R is an ultimate. So like it almost a little bit plays like a MOBA, weirdly enough. Um, and that it's- Are MOBAs it, not roguelites? Think about it. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, the heroes are based on different fairy tales. So you have like Aladdin and the Pied Piper and Little Red Riding Hood and Maybe you uh, um, uh, Beowulf. And they're different. They're different, like legendary, fantastical characters. Uh, you know that they're like appropriated in like a dark theme for this game. Ooh. Um, and the way you're supposed to kind of play it is you're supposed to play it with friends, and the characters actually have like a lot of abilities. Sometimes uh, uh, modify or buff people around people or heal people around people. So it really is like supposed to be a. Uh, you know, it's a one to four player game, but probably plays best with multiple people. Now, the thing that kind of makes it more unique and and like you know the, all the like the words you know that I said before, uh, other than b- b- the way that it kind of plays as like a isometric, almost MOBA game with a with mm-hmm. a, a QWE and then your choice of an ult, is that and and uh, and it actually almost is more it like it reminds me a little bit of Hero of the Storm in the way that um, when you hit like leveling breakpoints. Um, you get like major pat choices between major passives um, that are major that do change the way that that things work in your kit. Um, but one of the more kind of unique, kind of interesting things about the game is that you're dumped on a open world map, and you have I like every map you have like two days or so in game time to play. And there's like a day and night cycle where different things on the map are changing or are based around timings in really kind of weird and interesting ways. This might be like kind of hard to explain if you can't like follow me on it. So you're dumped onto this map and you're going around and all the air and areas of the map, the, the map is like randomly generated and areas on the map um, will be, like you're maybe kind of mobish different or your roguelite is different side quests. There's one where it is a cursed book where if you, if you uh, read the book, then it'll start spawning enemy waves and it gives you like a, a choice at the end for like, you know, experience or something, uh, you know, like a, like a new um, passive or, or uh, a consumable or something. So different things like that, but also they, they've included these like really kind of cool different things where, for for example, I like met a farmer that says like, oh, at the start of tomorrow night, um, there's gonna be uh, like uh, uh, ghouls that are gonna be like attacking my farm. Can you Ooh, like help me out? Ghoul. And while uh, and this is all like super timed. So like again, you're watching the timer go down. The the night it's night is coming, and you are trying to maybe do other little mini games because that's really what it is is like you're walking around this open map doing little mini games finding u- unique um events to to trigger and while i'm doing this i'm trying to find lumber to give to the farmer so he could build up his farm and build up like barriers for when on the second night when the ghouls will attack and so everything is very like you know like like oh I, I I think that the way that this game is dreaming to to work is like okay you know Mason you go over uh, have we haven't seen what's up on top of the north side of the map okay I just saw um there there the uh there there's more there's a, a forest over here I can get more lumber okay that's good like we're maybe we're gonna be able to 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 do deal with this like a uh, limited time event where if we give the farmer enough of the wood we can um 
help them create a barrier and then hold down the farm. And then like, meanwhile, someone else is going to go and do another event and try and get these rewards. And then you all try and reconvene for the second night when the monsters start, start attacking the farm and you're trying to stop the monsters from destroying the farm and, and stuff like that. And then, um, at the end, after a certain amount of time, like days have passed, like three days or so, um, uh, you fight a boss and then you go to the next zone. And then the kind of this, this loop repeats. Um, there's a lot of, uh, metagame progression, different unlockable characters. They added Sun Wukong because um, they're uh, le- legally required to add Wukong to everything. Um, but the the kits are really cool. Like actually, like it is really the the characters feel different and unique and fun. And this idea of this like moving around the map, doing these timed events, trying to do everything you can um, the the most efficient way that you can to get ready for a giant final boss on the end of like day three or whatever and try and deal with like there are certain choices you have to make that might um limit you out of other things like maybe if you're going to do some event that means that every because every time you're doing something on the map you got to remember that it's it's so time-based that you're spending time doing something and you're not researching more of the map you're not finding what might have been a better area of the map or something that could have given you something better so it's a really cool unique idea and they're still coming out with stuff and they apparently haven't 1.0 it so raven's watch i would like to play this game with you maybe i, I was kind of enjoying it um sounds good april talk 18th, to me about league of legends mage, mage seeker. seeker who this is, is real- the mage seeker uh the mage seeker is what's his name silas uh, uh silas uh, this is a really crazy, um, unique game uh, that I would recommend to people who don't even like League of Legends, um, because it is a League of Legends like one-off. Um, it's a uh, top-down, like isometricy um, uh, action game. Uh, a, a really nice-looking, high-res, beautiful pixel game um, where you play a Silas and. Uh, there's just a lot of cool, unique kind of mechanics to it. One of the one of one of the the most unique things is it is it kind of goes along with Silas's kit for the League of Legends game, which is that you have like these hooks that can grapple to people to enemies, but also all the enemies in the game have a type element, and the types have a like reverse type that hurts them. So like one of the first types that they show you is like there's fire type and then ice type, and uh, ice type is hurt by fire or whatever, and fire is hurt by ice. And you can steal the enemy's abilities. Um, so if you encounter like a fire type uh, minion on the uh, it, it, on the map while you're like fighting, you can steal uh, you know a, a a flame shot from them, or maybe you can. So you're steal... telling me this is Kirby? So it, it kind of is like that a little bit, where you get to like stock up on enemy abilities and then. Maybe a little bit less like Kirby, all the enemies like have resistance to abilities that they're not weak to. So uh, the the kind of uh, developer you know sales pitch is that you're playing this action game where you're you're not only like swinging from enemy to enemy really rapidly using these like hookshot chains and uh, fighting them with these like different combos and everything. Um, and it's a character action game, but you're also having to manage this whole like mana sequence where you you see you know like a fire and ice enemy so you steal a fire ability shoot it out at the ice enemy then like grapple to the ice enemy while it's done start punching it steal ice ability then shoot it to the fire enemy you know what i mean um so pretty cool game i i played a fair amount of this but didn't finish it um and uh i would uh recommend this to 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 people who even if you don't like um 
Uh, this is a, like a single player. This is one of the first games we've said in a while that wasn't a, 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 a roguelite. Has no roguelite elements, um, and it's a it's a pretty cool looking, good game with a lot of unique ideas. Speaking um, of uh, not roguelite, we have Cassette Beasts, uh, friend of the show, John. I think that this is uh, one of his favorite games of the year. Is this a Pokemon uh, game? It is. It's a it's a creature collector. It's on Game Pass. What? Have you heard of Game Pass? If you, no. it's like a subscription thing. Uh, so if you look at this game, even like it's it's very clearly Pokemon. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, I haven't played enough of this game to have any opinion. Oh, on I thought it. you liked this game. Okay. I thought it was a good idea. I mean, uh, it's got fusion. A love of good fusion. Uh, let me tell you about it. Transform into monsters using retro cassette tapes. Faced with the constant threat of monster attacks, the residents of Harbor Town choose to fight fire with fire. This is also, by the way, an isekai game. Uh, and it might be sort of like a, your character uh, thought that they they died and then they woke up here. And now they're like, we're trying to all get back to our world. So it's one of those. Okay. Uh, where and and you know you've got your your Pokemons that are on these cassettes and you you could fuse any two monsters together to create uh, unique and fully animated fusion forms. So pretty much they've they've created a some sort of algorithm by which any two monsters that you put together will produce a new unique monster. Wow, I, I have something to tell you after this, but keep going with a uh, fully animated and all that. So that's neat. Is that all you had to say about that? And I can talk about my game where you take two monsters and fuse them together to have different genetic traits. As long as it's not uh, that you're having a baby. Um, no, it's Honkai Star Rail because, of course, <laughs> Honkai Star Rail is uh, a game about eugenics and fusing together monsters. The current weird thing, because Honkai Star Rail, I spent the entire year. If you like this show, then you know that I talk about Honkai Star Rail a lot because it's one of my main gotchas. I am the the uh, the gotcha prince. Um, uh, the dark uh, prince. The dark prince of gotcha. Uh, one of the weirdest things is that Honkai Star Rail frequently has a like mode for a month that has nothing to do with the main game, and it's super weird and weirdly fleshed out with like incredible thought that usually also tries to like flesh out the world in a weird in a weird way, but also does a unique thing. Um, many, some of the many weird things I did in Honkai Star Rail, which was like start and manage a museum and find people to work different areas and get different exhibits and see how like popular the museum is and it's like this whole museum running simulator there was a part there was a game a honkai star rail thing that was better than pokemon where you collected pokemon and attacked uh like and it was totally like a pokemon with like types and everything and it had so many like references and funny pokemon jokes and like trainers and wild pokemon and everything in the honkai star Rail universe um, wow you love that and then there was a uh currently right now is this bizarre eugen there was a character that is like this um mad genius scientist that is trying to that goes to different planets and creates like seeds them with life and then tries to see like if she can create a like utopia of like genius creatures um, like the high evolutionary she is she is literally the high evolutionary you're exactly right um so there's a new character a 
uh, a, a, a attractive female high evolutionary um, in Honkai Star Rail. So this month's weird Honkai Star Rail game mode is a eugenics simulator where you are trying to make certain creatures by breeding them and breeding like certain traits. Um, and it's like this kind of like puzzly game where um, the mode will ask you like, okay, you want to create a um, th this little creature that has a orange shell, um, this kind of like cat style um, uh, uh, turquoise, like a uh, 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 turtle cat pattern that has black eyes and um, uh, a frown. And you're having to like, slowly to be able to like create it you can only put two creatures in at once so you have to kind of like through generations create creatures that have more of those traits to be able to finally get one time where you can create a so, creature that has all those traits with just two creatures yes so i have a question so does this game work on like an energy system like is there anything that prevents you from just like playing this game uh you know throughout the day as much as you want. Yeah, so I, maybe I should just talk about Honkai Star Rail, which I have spent that, the whole yeah, year that's... talking about a little bit. Honkai Star Rail is a gotcha-ass gotcha game by MiHoYo. And uh, MiHoYo, this, uh, uh, you know, like, since... What Gen are they well-known for? Since Genshin Impact... They really, did Genshin? Since Genshin Impact really changed, you know, maybe, like, the landscape also of gaming in a lot of weird ways. Um, they It's one of the most popular video games there is in the world. Um, it is a, it is certainly like the most popular gotcha, but it, it actually is like kind of like with like, uh, uh, glow. It's a, I want to say that it like fights being the most popular gotcha money wise globally right now between that and Honkai, Star Rail, uh, FGO and Nikkei. But anyway, um, it is a, it's a gotcha game and, uh, I can't believe it kind of came, I can't believe it came out April 26th. Um, because it feels like it's been out for longer. Maybe it's just because when you play something literally every day since April 26th, um, it feels like it's come out. Um, but it is a gotcha game where there is a, like, kind of similar to um, uh, Genshin, a resin kind of thing, but maybe a little bit better uh, than that. Uh, there is, like, a energy recharge thing, but nothing story-wise has anything to do with that. Um and nothing that the these modes that I'm talking about, nothing that these like extra um, uh, seasonal kind of like monthly pass mode kind of things have anything to do with. That's just really more for like the character experience or getting the gear. Um, is like you know you'll run a couple of like a dungeon uh, with the daily slowly accruing energy. Um, I do talk about Honkai Star Rail a lot. I guess like like uh, one of the main things I would say looking back on it. Um, uh, uh, that isn't just what I've been saying about it the whole year is like, uh, having come out in April, I think Honkai has a lot of, still has a lot of promise. The initial, uh, it, it's kind of interesting because the setup for it is that you are, uh, that, uh, a, 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 this group called the Nameless that travel around the world, the, uh, universe on a, uh, train that flies through space. And you're going to different, you are trying to find these things called Stellarons that are these, like, seeds of destruction that ruin planets. Um, they they cause all these issues on a planet. So you're kind of, like, going from planet to planet um, and uh, uh, solving the crisis there. Uh, and uh, it kind of gets to do that um, anime arc thing where... 
Um, every major story happens on a different planet where they introduce you to all the can't planets, major characters and players and everything. And like whatever's going on, their big, uh, overarching kind of issue with what's going on with that planet or what, what the, uh, like what's the disaster, uh, currently. And, um, uh, you help solve it. You figure out everything about these, like the story and the characters, and then they tell like a little arc story and then you, you know, finish it save the planet, and then move on to the next arc. Um, so that's kind of like what's going on in the in the game. The, the first one, I think, was a lot better. In April 26th, the, the, huh. the, the first arc of it was this really creative and interesting world that was kind of like this Final Fantasy VII world where... Um, the world, the planet was dying and, uh, because of this perma winter and there was the, 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 the people who lived, there was people who lived like above ground and people who lived below ground and they were like, uh, shut, like, uh, uh, the below ground people were locked out because the above ground people realized that they just didn't have the resources anymore to support both like the above and below ground people. And it caused all these problems. And now they're basically kind of held hostage where the only way to, to get the food from the above ground people is to like be miners and stuff. So there's these like horrible class disparities and stuff and all these different stories being told for with it. And I like that one a lot. Um, and then the next one, the one that was told after that, that I spent the next half of the year in was this space China, um, where it was like this floating, a uh, 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 capital ship kind of thing, but it was uh, this, the, like this. So it was like futuristic space China capital ship, and the issue there was really it was a lot more nebulous and weird, and the characters didn't make as much sense. And um, it was it's about this whole thing of like these the people who live in the space China live kind of forever, and um, uh, they live for like there are these long life species that live for like thousands and thousands and thousands of years but even so it makes them almost more attached to life than humans that don't live for that long and so there was this undercurrent of praying to this god that would give them infinite life but it does so in this sort of zombie like horrible state where they kind of like lose their emotions and go insane so I guess like maybe the main theme and story of that is like even the even someone that would live for thousands of years would maybe uh, grow even more attached and angry uh, that they have to die and find, seek ways to like stay alive forever. And in doing so, that 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 kind of classic narrative of that like if you stay alive forever, ever you'll lose what makes life great, kind of thing. Um, and now we're kind of finally finished with that and moving on to the next thing. But um, so the the kind the kind of like how good Honkai Style Rail is is at the time is certainly based on like what arc you're in, and I hope the next arc is a little bit better than the second arc because I love the first arc so much. But overall, you know, one of the greatest that's, gotchas, a, that's a lot of Honkai. It's a lot of Honkai, and uh, I I feel like this game gets a little bit too much um, speech as it is, and so this train rolls forward at. Um, It'll take us to May eighth, Darkest Dungeon. May eighth, May, May the eighth be, be with you, Darkest Dungeon two. Um, did you play this game? I didn't like it, but I did play it. I'm surprised. I I really really liked it. I really 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 liked it. <laughs> then I guess you finished and, it. And I want to play more of it. Well, I finished. Uh, um, it's weird because I I I saw a lot of reviews saying the game is so easy. I finished it on the first shot and. There's kind of like actually five different levels of the game, and uh, it, it is a. Stop me if you heard this. It's a roguelite. Um, 
And it functions very differently than the last game. Um, it's very, very different than Darkest Dungeon. The original Darkest Dungeon, you picked four characters to go as a team into dungeons that were progressively more hard. And it actually was a dungeon. It was actually like a you're moving around from area to area in a dungeon and um, you are encountering things and um, uh, enemies and getting into fights and losing health and losing sanity, which is another thing. Um, and um, all these issues would be created. The characters would kind of start to lose their minds as time went on. And whenever someone died, they would die for good. But uh, the characters were like you, they, they were, everyone was like a different class and you could find different people of the same class. Um, but there was a yeah. there was kind of an issue I remember with it being kind of frustrating because you as the characters if a character survived a run they would be much stronger but probably much more insane so they would kind of have to sit out a couple runs to be able to go back into the dungeon They'd have again. to go to the the healing hospital They'd yeah have to, the, like, or go the to brothel a place there they I think it was a brothel to, like relieve their stress it was a brothel um, uh, and. It, the game was also notable for a couple other reasons, uh, having a very unique, extreme, extremely dark, gothic-y uh, style. And uh, the announcer, there was a there was this kind of narrator voice that that spoke in this very kind of Edgar Allan Poe, dark, maybe Victorian kind of prose um, about how bad things were. And the game kind of was all about being pretty brutally hard and a lot of dice rolling and random stuff going bad you know like oh i'm about to defeat this boss but then i swing and i miss and i do no damage and then the boss's turn comes and then they hit like you know the numbers are pretty small like a, a character might have like you know 20 health and then like the boss might hit you for like 18 on a crit and it's like oh okay this fight was going pretty good before that but um so now darkest dungeon 2 came out and uh i want to ask did you like the first one did you like the first? I thought it was okay. You you thought, thought the first Dark right. Dungeon Dark Dungeon was okay, and then now for Darkest Dungeon two, why didn't you like it? Um, I think part of it was that I didn't really jive with the uh, characters butting heads thing, where there was this mechanic where characters will begin to distrust each other, uh, and I and I feel like it's easy for this to kind of kind of mess up the run pretty quickly and i'm sure that there are people who are very good at this game who are like yeah that stuff doesn't really matter that much but i i personally just found it like kind of annoying i didn't really find the uh i feel like early on at least i i didn't feel like i was getting a lot of options uh with the way that my characters are being built and with the variety of classes, I, di I didn't really like see a lot of variety there. Um, the the roguelite elements on this game didn't feel like they were especially interesting to me, where I was like, oh, I got this one thing and it's going to turn the run around, or oh, I was able to synergize these two items together and that's going to make this significantly different so for me i felt that despite the fact that this game has like a pretty interesting aesthetic um it, it didn't really feel like the 
moment to moment had a lot of oomph. And at the end of the run, I didn't really feel like, okay, well, I got to do another run because now I've got access to this thing. So I just felt like those elements were like kind of lacking. I didn't really, there wasn't a hook was ultimately, I think the biggest issue is I, there just didn't feel like there was a big hook for me. But what what about it did you find uh, so engaging? I think it's so interesting. I mean, the game is very hard. Um, a, a very hard in an unfair way. Um, so it's so not like very hard in a... Because this is a turn-based strategy game, right? So so a lot of the elements are out of your There's control. There's only so many options you There's can only so have. many options, especially early on, that are... That are that feel out of your control and runs are meant to fail. And the game is very aware of that. And it's probably, I think it does have one of those, you know, um, it has like a um, disclaimer up front that is like, you are going to have a hard time and your best, you know, efforts are going to go badly and runs are going to fail. But actually, weirdly enough, my selling of this game or why I like this game so much is because I think everything you said is actually the opposite. Um, it's, Ooh, it, it's weird tell. how you could not be more factually wrong on everything. And I, that's, it's actually not to not against your credit is that the game is not great about showing you about how much things. My caveat is I of, played this game less than four hours. So do fair, tell me fair, uh, that, that come together to make the all game really those, opens up in the fifth hour. It, 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 yeah, sure. Um, which is never. I don't think that's a fair great thing uh, to say. I, I don't like. I, I I don't love that, and I don't. I also don't know if this game has the best first blush because I think my first run of this, I would have definitely agreed with you, and I would have said that like the game feels unfair. It also feels pretty slow, and I'm not sure what I would want to do. What would be exciting about going to a next run? Um, uh, now that I finished or like that one run went badly. Now, uh, why is this game do all those things that you just said, uh, the opposite? Uh, so, uh, what make darkest dungeon two is different in, uh, with darkest, uh, dungeon one and that it's an even more rogue lightier roguelike game where you are going down a path, picking different choices of different areas that will give you different things for the run. Uh, one of the most unique kind of things with it is it kind of like what makes me like darkest dungeon two so much, I think is that it's one of the best. It's definitely one of my it's definitely my favorite of the video games that almost remind me of Kingdom Death. Um, where, oh, sure. Yeah, where absolutely. there is a ton of wild, unique things that can happen, and this game like is really pushing that um, with the with stuff like the character interactions and their uh, like there's this was from the old Darkest Dungeon too, is that you could get um, characters could have like positive things or neurosis. Uh, they kind of have, like, psychosis, things like that, where weird little, th you know, things where it's, like, maybe the character is uh, afraid of of uh, of of drinks like like maybe like there there's like a, a a whiskey that will heal you um if you drink it or whatever but the character is an alcoholic so uh, uh like recovering alcoholic so they're not allowed to use that item uh sometimes it's more fun stuff it's stuff where it's like if they get a buff or something or at the they at the start of the round they're they're they, they go faster or something um, so there's a lot of like unique things that can happen run to run, and some of the new things that happen this this game is that between zones you get this kind of in area where you can buy in items, uh, have your characters play poker and develop like different 
um, attitudes towards each other that can start to go into relationships where they can get have uh, things trigger when the character uses a certain move that might be a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe you have it so that the character feels distrustful of another character where when they use one ability, um, that that the other character takes a step back in the lineup because it still has that Darkest Dungeon um, uh, lineup-based gameplay um, where it's, like, positional. Um, but where are some of the kind of things that I would guess I would say that, like, where things kind of go very differently and uh, that the game might not show you right away that, that is very different is that there's crazy choices. Um, the uh, One of the unique things you can do in a run or one of the unique areas or zones you can find in your in each run is uh, a backstory so in this in this darkest dungeon the each character yeah, is yeah. is just the character each, each class each class is, uh, is a one char- character is one character and there's a uh, backstory to them and as you're playing the backstory you get unlocks for different abilities that the characters have and when all said and done instead of the old way the darkest dungeon worked i think you end up getting a choice between like 15 or so different abilities per character but not only that but as you go down their their talent tree and upgrade them between runs with the like uh, uh meta progression item the candle um you can unlock passives that are like um uh specializations that specialize the way that the characters works that, that usually like do half good half detrimental things so every every character not only has like a huge ton of options in build variety between what abilities you choose to pick, but they also have different subclasses that you get to choose that will change the way that those abilities work or the effect, the efficacy of them uh, or what they bring to the team. Um, you know, th- these are, these work in different ways of like the occultist has, has a subclass that makes him more, you know, supporty. There's a the cultist has a subclass that makes him more damagey. The cultist has a subclass that makes him more random and um, Lovecraftian, where it's like, you know, like more powerful of the arcane insane abilities, but might make your characters distrust them more. So there is a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of um, the ways that this game. Uh, uh, develops its like roguelite or the meta progression is very cool I think and kind of like almost addicting to me where um, you after the run is done you, the candles you get as a meta progression can be used of all sorts of things they can be used as cosmetics that change the ways that your characters look um, they have different uh, uh, palette swaps for the characters but they also have completely different weapons uh, which are completely different looking. They, I, I should say that one of the other things I really do like about this game is this game is amazingly gorgeous. The first, uh, what are the darkest, weapons new for you? Uh, the weapons are cosmetic. This is just like something that is just like a fun thing to get like when you're uh, as you get later in. The things that would help you uh, with the actual progression are you can get uh, upgrades for the stagecoach that uh, make it like you know deal with rocky terrain better. That make it have. Uh, hold on to the candlelight more. Um, you can get pets for the stagecoach that have passives for, for your team. Um, you unlock the passives and abilities for the characters. And as you go down their, um, their unique passives, you unlock, you put their, you put unique items that only they can equip that change the way some of their abilities work uh, into the pools that you can get. Um, you also, there's a gotcha, which is weirdly enough. Uh, where you spend um, uh, your meta progression uh, to unlock random items 
not not they can be either items that appear as consumables in in a run. They can be equipment for the stagecoach that might appear. Uh, they can be in only items, and in items usually focus around a couple different things. Of like, the in items are like I said, between every zone, there is a small stop where the characters kind of sit around and wait for the next morning to to embark again to go to the next zone, and you can unlock things like that that that. Uh, uh, like I said, like poker, where you choose two characters to play a poker game and they can develop a, a, a special relationship from that or um, uh, whiskey to drink together and they might like each other more. Um, and some of them have good and uh, positives or negatives, like everything in this game. Um, sometimes it's like uh, food that will make them stronger for the next run until the next in. Um, so there's a lot of like, there's tons of unlockable stuff that uh, that put more into the... Um, pool for you to find but of course the way you said like is that that first run and the first couple runs You're the items aren't that fun or don't, or don't yeah i am i am pretty hot on it the the items aren't that fun and don't have that much um uh like synergy or or build kind of in that as you're playing the game and you're not only unlocking the unique items for the characters you're unlocking the subclasses for the characters cool cosmetics that make you like like running that character more um and learning the backstory and getting more abilities for the characters um but you're also putting like new items into the stagecoach pool the in pool the consumable pool um finding new zones and new areas um and uh, they had a recent update where they also uh added two new characters and like a lot of new um, items and like the gotcha and everything like that. So there's there is like a whole ton to find out. The, to to truly like kind of beat the game, you'd have to beat the game five times. Um, uh, there's like five different kind of uh, uh, difficulties, and each of them tell increasingly more of the story. Um, so I beat the I had I have beaten the game once, but now I, I haven't been able to do it on the second. There, there's on on the second. You're a god gamer. You beat the game. Yeah, I've uh, always said Ryan Kirby, God gamer, right? Have I have I not said that before? Have you not heard those words? I guess I have. Um, but yeah, Darkest Dungeon two, very good game. Um, but we should move on because it's as I've talked about this a lot. May twelfth, Legend of I, Zelda. I can't believe that you make uh, the Darkest Dungeon two section longer than I could possibly make the Legends of Zelda section. I don't know how you do it. Well, I mean, I just, I just feel like it's a good game. I didn't, I, I haven't talked that much about it on this podcast, and also, I feel like it does actually have a lot of those things that you were uh, talking about. But it, it does, yet, yet, you, you definitely don't see them in the first couple. So hours, we, but... we've got Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, the follow-up to uh, one of the most important video games of the last decade in oh, uh, sure. Breath of the Wild, uh, a game that uh, redefined open-world action-adventure games, a game that. Uh, you know, certain games, games like uh, Genshin Impact, would not be the same game uh, if it weren't for Breath of the Wild. And one thing that I Elden love Ring. about Breath of the Wild, Elden Ring, exa- uh, ac- uh, yeah, for sure, is that uh, I loved how green Breath of the Wild is. And I love that Tears of the Kingdom uh, brought back that aesthetic of like these vast green fields. But the other thing that it did is it introduced these new palettes uh, in the Sky World and in the Underground. So spoilers, there's an Underground in this game as well. Uh, This is the end of the year, so expect us to go all out 
on spoiling the game. Sorry, Kirby, you might even uh, get some things spoiled for you. So, Legends of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, uh, the biggest difference between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom... Uh, so, one, one first interesting thing, this game takes place immediately following the events of... Uh, of Breath of the Wild, the, the beginning of this game takes place immediately after that. But then a lot of things happen and time passes. Uh, and you are in this new version of Hyrule. It's new, but it's kind of the same as Breath of the Wild. But the biggest difference is your abilities. So the abilities in Breath of the Wild, they were really interesting, uh, but they were kind of simple compared to the things that you're doing in this game. Breath of the Wild, you could like spawn a bomb, or I think you could like freeze things. Maybe you might you could have a. You might remember a little bit better because I think you played Breath of the Wild uh, more recently than yeah, I did. Yeah, I played it kind of. I played it this year, earlier that this year, um, prior to the release of Tears of the Kingdom. And yes, you're right. There was a there was a bomb. There was magnesis, which was picking up things that were metal. There was, uh, yeah, the bomb was like a circle or square bomb. Um, and then there was the ice, the cryogenesis one. And then there was the stop time bomb or the stop time ability, where it would stop the momentum of something, but it could be affected in real time. Uh, so, uh, so one of the main ways you might remember this is that you would uh, stasis a rock and then hit it a bunch, and then that that would cause it to, when it unstasis, all the force generated in it would exact upon it all at once, and it would fly, and people would ride those babies like SpongeBob. It would physics the fuck out, and people use that to uh, do some really fun world record uh, speedruns of the game. Yeah. Where they would just ride stuff all the way to Ganon's castle and yep, just ride fuck a rock up. all the way to Ganon's castle. Explode! I'm sure there's a good like web comic that Ganon is sitting in his castle and then the ceiling explodes and a gigantic boulder flies in with Link riding on top of it. Level one Link with his three hearts. Nothing, nothing, no equipment, no none level of the guardian Link, abilities. Level one hundred Ganon. Level level one hundred uh, uh, Mafia. So Tears of the Kingdom, the the abilities are very different, but the the biggest sort of, you know, one of these is the hand ability that lets you uh, cobble together shit. You can essentially uh, take stuff out of the environment and stick it together to make something. So you could take like a plank and a fan and turn it into a boat. boat. Uh and you know, and and you could also uh, stick it to the bottom of the of the plank with a couple of other ones and make sort of like a, a hoverboard. And early on, it's like kind of a nothing sort of thing where it feels like, all right, I'm sticking. It's very clear what they want me to do because there's like this rod, and they want me to stick the rod to this. There's a wheel here, so I could stick this rod to these wheels and then I could go downhill, but so what? But eventually they start introducing more and more stuff. Uh, one of the most important ones that I feel like they don't give you early enough is the steering, which lets you, you know, actually steer vehicles that you create. It's weird because in the for, in the beginning hours of it, they're like, they gave you this thing and they're like, whoa, you could really create, you know, cars or boats or something. But no, you can't because it's just like, 
kind of goes in one direction. And then and then eventually they do start throwing in some more complicated building tools. And I guess it's just because they don't trust players off the bat, which is kind of unfair. But, um, uh, but when they do that, you can weird, start really yeah. making things. But there's and there's some other weird shit that they that you can do. Like you could take a wheel and you could put a pole on the wheel and put spikes on the pole and you could set it up so that the the wheel causes the pipe to spin with spikes attached to it. So you could create these traps for enemies where like you're putting together this thing and then the enemies are walking into it and getting just like battered by these like devices that you make. Um, there's ones that like there there's like little heads uh, that always look at the enemies. So you could do that and put like flames on it and put that like on a post so that like you sort of can create a turret that will attack enemies or you could do that. There's like um, carts that you could like put down and you could put like the tracking head on the cart so that you could create like a little army of stuff. Like you'd create armies of these that will just like attack enemies and not very early on mid game, depending on when you find it, you also get the ability to save these, like to save the ones that you like so that you could blueprint them. So you could be like, all right, I blueprint this, like you could set up this thing where like you have like one post and attached to this post are all of these attack drones. So you summon this whole thing and then you use like you, you break the post. So you've essentially like summoned this like this cookie cutter layout of like all of these attack drones that you could use to like summon and attack. And there is a subreddit called Hyrule Engineering where they find all of these different items in the game that have unique properties to them and they've used them to create different things. They've they've actually found ways of doing like quantum teleportation through the physics of the game that allows them to just like do really crazy shit or to force the properties of certain items onto other items. Um, and, and they found like, oh, the, the value of this gate that you can get in one specific part of the game has unique physics that will allow you because it like technically has like a negative gravity value so you can use it to fly if you attach a bunch of them together so people went fucking crazy with this stuff uh i thought it was pretty impressive i think that early on like you can wear yourself out on it or you could just you you could also just get the feeling of like I'm not creative enough where I don't feel like they're giving me the tools that I want to to engage with this system. Or or you could be like, uh, one of my initial knocks against the game is I found it really annoying to build things, like to deal with like sticking things together. But I feel like once you get the blueprint and you're able to just like kind of do it yourself, then like, uh, you know, stick it together once, save it, done, then that was kind of cool. But then I feel like at some point you're like, okay, I have this one vehicle that I really like. Like, I think one of the ones that everyone makes really early on is they make this hovercraft, which is a steering wheel attached to two fans, uh, and you save that. And then, like, 
in a lot of cases, you you can use that like vehicle to circumvent a lot of things because it is so cheap to make it. Um, that I, I feel like you can definitely go down the route of invalidating this system. And and that's for, for good or for worse, because if you don't like the system, then you definitely don't have to engage with it very hard. There are definitely ways to get around the game without using the system. They, I mean, this is a game where you can have, you could build like a rocket car, but also there's horses. So like that, that's kind of funny because you could just ride around on your horse instead of really engaging with this system. Uh, but I do feel like if you dig this system, uh, then there is a lot to do with it, and there are rewarding opportunities uh, for engaging with it. But I also feel like at at some point, you can build all of this crazy shit, but then to what end? Like, there's only, like, uh, the, the game doesn't ask a lot of you. So when it comes to uh, being able to invent all of this crazy shit, uh, you know, I, I mean, it is cool to see people build these contraptions to take down some of, like, the insane world bosses in this game and seeing people who have, like, created armies of drones or have been able to create, like, vehicles that they can just use to defeat, like, the the three-headed dragons and shit like that. that sure, that there's also a lot of uh, the... the um shrines that, that, you, that require, yeah. like, um, specific kind of building... Yeah, and and a lot of that stuff is like uh, you can't uh, produce blueprints in those shrines, so it's like you're using whatever is in those to to make it happen, and that kind of stuff is cool. And some of those, uh, I was stuck on some of those for a while. Some of those are pretty, uh, like had me stumped pretty good. Like there's this one where you are trying to create a boat that goes that that is able to cross across like a strong current. And it took me a long time to realize that, like, they give you wood planks, they give you fans, they give you wheels. And I couldn't, for the, I was like, what am I going to do with this wheel? And it turns out what they want you to do is use the wheel to create, I don't know what they're called on a boat, but like the... Rudder? Like you, yeah, a rudder where you're attaching the wood planks to the wheel to to move really quickly through the water. And I oh oh it, oh uh, yeah I think I did the same. You, you're, it's like a steamboat kind of like a propeller kind of thing. Well, like where where it's like a big fin that's kind of like yeah like almost like a, like it's attached to the wheel and it's spinning and it's 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 forcing water behind it. Yeah, yeah. So that one had me tripped up for a while. Uh, so that's just one or two of the powers if you count the blueprints. But one of the other big ones is the fusion, where you can take any item in the game like any ingredient or monster part and attach it to your sword and shield and there is some really fun shit that you can do with this like you can attach like fans to your to your shields to like blow enemies away or aerial enemies uh you can attach like bomb flowers to your shields which let you get like these massive jumps or like a rocket to your shield uh you can attach like smoke bombs to your shield so that like when an enemy strikes you uh it creates like a giant smoke cloud and then they can't see or they end up fighting their enemies uh and, and this interacts with some of the weapons that you get as well so there is uh a sort of like a korox a korox sword 
that regenerates any item that you put on it. So there, if you're if you find like a rare ingredient, like oh, this is an item where if I hit an enemy with it, it will uh, confuse them and they'll start attacking their allies. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're a limited resource. But if you put it on this Korok sword that's regenerating it, then you constantly have access to this like pretty powerful status effect. Uh, and it's these types of synergies and combinations that I thought made the combat and also the acquisition of items and weapons uh, pretty exciting and pretty interesting in this game. Uh, I forget and, if you and, even really said like some of the basic things though, because you've gone so deep in. But there's like a above the ground world in the sky. There's an underground world. Um, there's uh, like the 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 they they have the ability. You have the ability to kind of like jump into things above you, which makes traversal a lot easier. I think like climbing up mountains. If there's if there's um, something that's like you're under need something you can go through terrain that's above you like just slide through it um, ascend ascend um uh yeah i uh this is a pretty wild game um in a lot of ways because it it uh correctly takes a lot of the worst elements of breath of the wild uh one of the most you know like you said important games of all time and uh uh improves in a lot of areas and a lot of the areas that Breath of the Wild is really lacking, it improves um, by uh, in in major ways. Um, one of the some of the more major ways in a it major way. In, some of the more major ways it improves is like the uh, shrines. Instead of just being um, a couple different types of shrines that are repeated, usually like there's there's really boring shrines in Breath of the Wild that are like just uh, fight a a monster. Um, that's it. Um, and, and, or sometimes there'll be uh, a shrine based around a concept and then there'll be like five or six shrines that kind of use that same concept and concept in varying ways but i found that the shrines in this game were generally very very unique very creative from shrine to shrine um like you said there was a lot of times where like i just could not think of like what kind of answer there was for the puzzle um another probably one of the most most significant ways that the game improved is the uh dungeons are actually much better, uh, closer to more regular Zelda dungeons. In uh, Breath of the Wild, the dungeons were all the insides of these mechanical great beasts. Yeah. And because of that, they they all looked the same. Um, they were all very samey and operated in the same way. Because the way that you would... Op the, the, they all had the same gameplay gimmick, which was like you could go onto the map and then uh, change something about it. So there's one where you would like raise or lower the water level. There's one where you would like uh, change around the terrain of these like cylinders uh, inside of the boss. So um, for this one, the, the, the dungeons are more like traditionally unique looking Zelda dungeons. And they're actually kind of like, even though the dungeons in Breath of the Wild weren't built around any sort of mechanic. The dungeons in this one are kind of built around, like, you have, like, an ally that goes in uh, to a dungeon with you to help you and has, like, their own unique type of mechanic. Um, and the dungeon will be kind of built around that and the boss fight will be built around that. A lot of those things from the past Zeldas, I think, that, from uh, Breath of the Wild, that I think would have been a, a, a fair complaint, um, I think, were, were remedied in Tears of the Kingdom. But I, I, did, yeah, I, I, mean... I actually ended up falling off of it for... 
different reasons. Like, I think, one, uh, it's an improvement. It's obviously an improvement over Breath of the Wild, but it feels too similar to it. And especially for, like, a really long game, it's like, I didn't, ha- I didn't, I didn't have the stamina, I guess, this year to to get through like a hundred hour game after I had just re basically rebeaten breath of the wild. It feels like it's, it's like not fair to call it like a 1.5 because uh, there is so many good things. And there is like a ton, like the world is like almost two times bigger pretty much when you account for the underground and the, the uh, sky area. But um, it, it does in a lot of ways feel like similar. Uh, and I wasn't, you know, getting that initial Breath of the Wild thing. And I'm, I think I'm also, like, kind of... I don't know. I, I think I'm ready for uh, Zelda to be Zelda again. Yeah, um, that's fair. I think uh, it, and I think that this game did have a fair amount of, like, if you didn't want to engage with a lot of these systems, there were just, like, you could go to this village and, like, see what's going on and do their quests. But there is definitely this like this is an open world game there's a million directions you could go there's things that are trying to distract you uh all over the place so yeah i, 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 I definitely think the, that idea. the creation aspect of it the uh the, the the um uh nuts and bolts uh mechanic uh of of creating um things i think that if you are it, it's like such a it, it's it's like you said it's not you don't have to do it, but given that it's like one of the most unique elements of the game, if it's something that you're not liking, I, I think that the game is not quite as fun. If, if, if you're someone who like really loves that and it's just like, oh, I want to create new vehicles or new contraptions, um, I think that you'll just like have a lot more fun with it. And if you're someone that, just, that, that isn't enjoying that as much, then it's kind of like it's something that would just improve your experience of the game a lot. So not having that, I think it feels uh, less like I didn't really want to engage with that as much. So, so for, for me, the game feels more of a 1.5. If you're someone who's just like loving that, then of course you're like, Oh no, you, you, you can't get this in breath of the wild. But, but if you're not engaging with those new systems in interesting ways, then it is yeah. like, it is like more of the same. Um, but I think that this game does have like a, a better story to it. Like a absolutely. more, clear story i think that it's served up better i love some of the areas in this game and some of the stuff that like is iterative based on the first game like visiting visiting like tarrytown in this game was like so cool and like tarrytown in the first game uh had this nice very cool like iterative soundtrack to it oh yeah where as you're adding to tarrytown it's get the music is getting more and more like lively and developed well yeah you're finding different races to like of of people like gorons and zoras and everyone to start building up this town and putting more people and every time you add new people you add like more instruments to it yeah you're adding like the instruments of those cultures so so you add you add a goron and you get like bongos and beats and stuff like that you know you have you get you add a zora and i think i forget if you get like flutes or something you know you get something more elegant strings i think yeah because you know uh so yeah. So and and going back to those areas, oh, like flutes, going back to the be, areas that you've the, been, the, uh, the wind, the windies, the Ritos, the, the Ritos, something, the Doritos. Uh, it's just cool to revisit those areas. The 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 world feels so much more alive in this one, uh, just because there's more like people around. There's there's more towns and like as a result of more towns, there's like more 
side quests and there's and some it does cool feel... world events too like there's some like there, there was a time where i was like fighting a uh at a uh enemy garrison and then tons of townsfolk showed up and it was like whoa that's something that feels very cool it feels very new to the vibe like just like you said the there's certain um i think there's also like elden ring style packs of like monsters roaming and that, that like that, that like makes the world feel like there's more like unique events going on in it where as the last one felt a lot more of like a a sandbox this one feels like there are things alive in the world yeah and there is like some pretty interesting like loot to be found like with different uh item sets and the item sets in this game are like a greatest hits of like uh and they do this with the underground like it's 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 very clear that like this is a Hyrule through the ages because you are finding like things like Majora's mask in the underground. You are finding like fierce deity gear. Um, if you're doing some of like the more uh, complicated and obscure stuff in the game, like there is some really cool stuff to find, uh, especially in, in the underground. It's certainly uh, not is... a knock against it, but I guess like my way of summing it up is like, Breath of the Wild is and will be remembered as like this crazy touchstone that a lot of games now and some of the most popular games ape elements of it because there are so many unique things that Breath of the Wild did from just having it be so open world, so not handholdy, um, uh, having rewards everywhere, not having a Ubisoft style map that is forcing you to do everything, just you deciding what you think is interesting, um, everywhere being like climbable and interactable and everything and i think for the first one it was like such a unique take on zelda and they hit that core feeling that zelda has always gone for which is an adventure um because in everything outside of that it's not zelda at all right like it's not the thing they're used to at zelda with which is like a linear path where you're finding an item and then you that item helps you solve the puzzles for that dungeon and then you move on and then everything is allowed to keep progressing so the next dungeon you find a bow and the next dungeon they can use the bow in in puzzles because they know you have it um but but uh this the 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 new like zeldas of this generation don't have any of that they just have that that core feeling that that like you're going on an adventure the world is open um you're saving the the kingdom but you're going around exploring and it, it and it does all that and i think that that is very cool but because of that i think the first one felt so unique and so like masterful in that way and then and then you don't and nor could they have really had a follow-up that was like had the same impact the same sort this, of this one was more of like and we doubled it yeah yeah we doubled it what's already you know like people aren't going to be taking uh the the bits from this game and adding it to their game mostly the way that they did no right yeah not like that it's 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 definitely it's it's a great improvement. If you had never played Breath of the Wild, then it would be like, without a doubt, you'd be like, no, don't play Breath of the Wild. Go straight to Tears of the Kingdom. It is so much better. It is so much more improved. It is such a better game overall. But yeah, for, for me, it's like, whereas one is the experience, like completely new experience, this is like an improved experience. But in a lot of ways, what I was like expecting, and I I, I think I... I, I wanted maybe a little more. Um, it, it also didn't hit at the right time. I do kind of hope for me that um, I get to a point in my life where I'm like, oh, yeah, Tears of Kingdom. I never finished that. I want to go back and do that. So maybe it's like my Yeah, right. The, the problem is there's always new games. Yeah, but I don't always. You know? Like, I do go there's back and play some games. older games, you know. Um, that's a lot of Tears of Kingdom. June. 
Gunfire Reborn. No. I guess there's not a lot to, to say on this. I did, uh, unless you No, want... they, they released some new DLC this year, and they've been constantly adding free updates, including new game modes to it. So this game continues to, I don't want to say quietly be one of the best roguelites because it is so po- incredibly popular, uh, but it is still one of the best and most well-beloved uh you know, games in this genre. It's a shooter. Um, the maybe one of the most important things about Gunfire Reborn is that the uh, minute-to-minute gameplay is fantastic. Um, it is so it, slick. Yeah, it is a it, because it's a shooter and it's very action-packed, and mm-hmm. you have like a hero that has abilities, um, and then the the weapons, the guns feel so fun and unique and different. And it and does. one of the crazy things about the guns is that the guns have affixes on them. Yeah. right? Is the fact that you could pick up two of the same gun and be like, wow, this one has a legendary effect that totally changes the power level of this weapon. And it's and the game is, a, is, is chock-a-block with that whole thing that we always talk about where you're getting multiple passives and items and stuff and guns and weaponry that's all uh, uh, creating a very synergistic style so much so much so that you're trading things with friends like you're like okay so you're gonna go towards fire element so i'm gonna give you i found this legendary weapon and there's this scroll so you're you're gonna work on fire uh i've been finding a lot of like dash synergy where i dash and become invincible so i'm gonna front line and just like dash around and and that kind of stuff, like the synergies that you make, not just in your own gear, but if you're playing with friends, the ability to swap things around and and make a cohesive uh, team comp uh, makes this among the best, maybe the best uh, co-op roguelike game. Yeah, and, I, and, and we're mentioning it here not only for the DLC that came out this year, but because it had its PS4 and PS5 release, and I just wanted to throw that out there because it just further cements that as like a game that is uh getting good updates getting good so uh let's talk a little bit about street fighter 6 wow i wanted to uh, say like we're two hours wow. a lot of it's gonna get cut down but for right now for the raw the um the net recording the gross i guess the gross recording um it is like two hours and 20 minutes and i was gonna be like damn we gotta go through these quicker but then we get to street fighter 6 so this is not gonna go quickly um we can be quick Street Fighter Six, uh, the follow-up to Street Fighter Five, more well, of the same. True. Next, we've got uh, Diablo. <laughs> D- Street Fighter Six is pretty crazy. Um, th- wh- what makes it crazy is it's got maybe one of the most important um, to its core fighting game mechanics I've ever seen. Um, ever right? It, it's uh, the drive gauge is insane. Is absolutely insane. So the 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 thing that like th- there is one mechanic that is like almost as important as health that kind of you know completely is the thing that runs everything behind the game and that is the drive gauge. It is so creative. It is such a unique take on Street Fighter, and it's so hard to understand initially from a. Uh, player perspective because there's nothing in a fighting game that's like this but it is a gauge where like your ex is coming out of that some of your abilities are coming out of that your you have a thing called a drive uh rush where like you can like you can dash forward and attack using it or a drive impact where it's like a focus attack um but when you lose it 
um, uh, you also take it as chip damage, which is really unique because it's probably the most important that chip damage has ever been in a fighting game in a long time because mm-hmm. you c- this is definitely a thinking person's fighting game in a lot of cases where you can give up too much space too early and you know use your abilities too too quickly and burn out and then you're in this literal burnout where you are taking a lot of damage from chip uh you don't have access to a lot of your abilities and more importantly um when you get pushed to the corner you are just like screwed in the corner like this is a definitely a very a, a pretty like footsies and positionally based fighting game where the corner feels like extremely bad in this game um and like almost can present you with like uniquely unwinnable situations which i think is like pretty rare for street fighter but like being in the corner burnt out while your enemy has the ability to like just constantly pressure you or like do these like sort of pseudo infinites on you and chip you out too and because chip when you to you're death. when you're burnt out uh and i love this the drive gauge uh protects you from getting chipped but once it's burnt out you take chip damage yeah um, so, like, it, it is such a unique and fully encompassing uh, mechanic. Um, other than that, uh, the other things that, that I think should be said about Street Fighter is that, I think at the time we said this, it is definitely one of the most, if not the most, complete fighting game. Um, maybe It like- has a real... I actually thought that the World Tour mode, where you build a character and you go around and you learn from the cast of the game... Uh, and, and you get their moves and you kind of assemble your character uh, with a mishmash of other fighters' moves. I thought that it was such a fun kind of like brawler style mode that also kind of taught you a little bit about how to play Street Fighter. Yeah, there's really good like teaching mechanics. There's they, they, they do the thing that I've kind of always wanted, which is that there's mini games that teach you certain elements. So there's like a mini game of like chopping wood or something that teaches you how to do charge mechanics and stuff like that. So so that is a really important thing. I think that uh, this is definitely one of, if not the most uh, uh, easily recommendable fighting games to people that maybe are afraid of fighting games being online because because there are people who there's some people who like myself included that if you released a fighting game and the only mode was like online versus that i would be actually pretty much okay with that i want a training mode right i want a a training mode and online versus pretty much like i don't i don't really need like a um arcade mode or anything like i'm not i don't really care about fighting the ai i don't really care about like single player stories generally um and i think that this game actually does have all those extra modes that you'd want crazy character creation like you said you can make your own street fighter character from a hodgepodge of all the other different characters and there's tons of people making like you know anime characters or or different fighting game characters or different characters that have similar move sets that they would think from the copy and pasted ones from the already ones the ones that are in street fighter um uh what else i mean it is uh it's overall a pretty good and fully fleshed out package it's not unlike street fighter 4 it it released in a finished state uh, the online... I mean, it's kind of the the first of the new generation of fighting games that we're moving towards. Maybe that's Guilty Gear Strive. Maybe Strive is on that level. But I feel like Street Fighter VI, the only fighting game that will contend with the popularity of this uh, in a couple of years, 
uh, with regards to staying power is Tekken, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that if you wanted to pick up a fighting game that you could believe, like, this is an investment where I could play this for years, people will still be playing it in years. Street Fighter Six is a really safe bet. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there is no... There's no doubt in my mind that Street Fighter Six won't get like ten years of support and won't be just down doing its stuff down the line like Street Fighter Five did, and uh, it'll keep having DLC and balance updates, and uh, people will show up to majors and tournaments, and and, uh, and people were worried about this game because of of the way that uh, Street Fighter Five was. But you and I have been talking about Capcom for years and about how Capcom has turned around like everything like street fighter five is to resident evil six what like resident evil seven is to street fighter six like they they have made uh the necessary changes to make all of their ips uh wildly successful so i wasn't worried at all about street fighter six coming in hot yeah um i will say that like i guess because we because we always are talking about these things in post it just feels like there maybe hasn't been a lot of updates, and it's been really slow feeling. There's two characters, right? That's it. Um, since it, it came out in June, we are at the end of the year now. We're going into January, and I don't think we even have the next character uh, trailer or who it's going to act. It's it's. I think it's Akuma. I don't know if it's Ed or Akuma yet. I don't know if there's a, a, a an order. We know that it will be Ed and Akuma, um, but... I, I, update wise the game has been very slow um to change um I, I i feel like there's been almost nothing in the shape of an update since june to now so that's like six months of the game just rocking just just rocking out there you know and that's pretty rare for fighting games but that is kind of like a recent trend where the developers are kind of just like i don't know the the core games are i think overall fighting games are are generally better balanced than they've ever been in the past. The tier lists are certainly more compressed in the the in the way that they in, in like with like Street Fighter Three. There's kind of like the tier lists are so omnipresent that there's certain characters like you just couldn't play at a high level. Like they just do not exist, and um, uh, you really feel like the differences between the characters. And with uh, street with the with the newer games, it's not really that way. And also, another thing I would say is that for the more recent fighting games, usually there's mechanics that are system mechanics that are so strong and so important and ubiquitous that your understanding of them and and maximizing them means that you'll be kind of good across the roster with no matter who you play. So if you if you like don't have the timing to deal with the reversal of di, then you're gonna do bad on a lot of characters right but if you if you have great reactions and you know what you're looking for and you know your pressure game and footsies and uh you you know the characters and where gaps are in offense and what your options are to do um and you utilize those things well that you can probably do good on on most of the characters and, and utilize that 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 style pretty well um uh, yeah, it's a really unique take on Street Fighter. Um, it's a really wild mainline Street Fighter, and like I just think that I do think that the drive gauge is one of the most crazy things to starting out around with full EX, where you could just sit there and burn out of all of your EX. But yeah, it causes, the cash outs are crazy. 